Hello, hello, hello. Back again with another podcast episode. I've been on a social media detox and it's been going pretty interesting. I actually, (laughs) I just recorded 31 minutes of this podcast episode, but the audio was like really bad because I put some settings, like the settings that I had made the audio really buzzy. Um, and so, yeah, I'm doing the podcast over, but no problem. I want to put out the best quality audio for you guys, and I don't want to damage your ears. So here is the episode. I went on a social media detox, and it's, it's been really cool. Um, yesterday, I've been on this, well, first of all, I've been on the social media detox for, you know, one wouldn't say it's been like super long, but I've been on the detox for 17 hours. And, um, you know, anyways, so yesterday I read Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin. And I just love James Baldwin. He's a, he's a really great author. Um, he's like just incredibly intuitive um and my first book ever by him was the fire next time it's not a fictional it's not a fictional novel it's a um it's more like it's a non-fiction it's not an auto well it kind of is an autobiography there are parts where he talks about his own life and then at the very beginning i think the whole book is actually a letter to his nephew and you know there's one part in the book that you know just it's just that just um i always kind of like remember it's it's crazy he talks about how he's like the youngest brother or no, the oldest brother of his nephew's father. And he talks about how he was there to see the innocence of his father's eyes leave him as he grew older, um, just with, you know, society, societal norms and all of that. I don't think I mentioned that James Baldwin is a, is a black author, but yes, he is. And you know it's crazy when thinking about babies um toddlers and you know really young people it's insane to realize that they haven't been corrupted by you know society's beliefs and societal norms and you know the news and stereotypes and all of that you know babies just kind of do as they please they don't really think about how people perceive them they don't really think about you know things that we would think twice about which is how you know anxiety develops we think about what the future will be we think about you know um we think about how somebody perceives us and all of that you know, and it's it's crazy, especially like with racism and all of that, it's crazy to realize that, you know, black children, you know, they're they're just as innocent as any other children. I mean, as any other child. And, 
you know, he talks about how, you know, he saw the um, the fire or the light in his eyes kind of change as he, you know, grew older and became more acclimated to his environment. Hold on, you guys. I need to, I'm going to turn this fan off really quick. <laughs> I hope the audio doesn't mess up. All right, I am back. And so, yeah, um, that was kind of distracting me. So I'm glad I got to do that. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend um, um, reading James Baldwin. The book that I'm reading now, um, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is about this black boy who grows up in a christian household and he his father is like really a, a hypocrite and you know i would say his mother is too because he enables the father and you know maybe i can talk on you know my experience growing up in a christian household being black as well because of course the experience is different um, when black children grow up and grow up in a in a black household because of the whole history of you know black people and Christianity, and you know he his father is, is a wife beater. He uh, striked his wife one time for questioning his authority and how he treats the kids, and when he strikes his wife. The, the younger brother, not the main character, but the his younger brother, you know, says, if you slap my mom again, you black bastard, I will um, kill you. And with that, his father takes off his belt and whips the shit out of him. And, you know, the he, you know, clutches onto his mother for dear life. And, you know the main character he's really intuitive and is like you know i will never treat my children like this and i don't want my children to grow up in this kind of childhood um and so yeah it's a really good book and i believe it goes into his um experience with homosexuality i think it may touch on it briefly but i think i read a summary of it and it talks about that and so yeah um I haven't finished the book, but I will finish it. And um, right now, also yesterday, I read this architecture book. It's um, called Order, Space, and Structure. I believe that's how. And I know it's like one of those like sequences, like form, space, and order, something like that, by Francis Ching. And for those who don't know, I'm going to school to be an architect right now yes i want to be an architect been interested in that career for a little bit now i've read one book by i don't know how, how to pronounce his name i may butcher it leco busier leco busier um and you know it was it was very interesting it you know i don't want to go into this whole architecture sp uh, spill because this is an, an architect uh an architecture podcast but yeah um and so like with this whole social media detox it's you know it hasn't really been hard 
it's been i i don't really want to call it easy but you know i haven't had this like insane urge to get back on social media you know i i think i i tweeted yesterday because <laughs> i saw i don't know why i get trump emails but i do and they always ask for donation money and so i tweeted yesterday um because uh donald trump's campaign sent me an email saying that he they, they have an 18 million dollar donation goal and he was like you know i want to absolutely destroy the democrats i um and he was like i'm very disappointed that to see that you haven't donated anything this whole campaign and then it shows like this summary <laughs> of um of like all that i've donated and it says zero dollars and i'm like on on twitter i was like someone come get their mans um and so yeah that's the only thing i tweeted yesterday i didn't even look at the replies until just now but for a brief second after i tweeted that i had just recorded my podcast but then now i'm doing it again so um so um why i started this social media detox um my brother sent me a video he sent me a video yesterday morning no i believe it was at two ish sent me a youtube video and it talks about how the how social media video games you know youtube and all of that it provides us an immediate and insane amount of um dopamine rush you know it um you know it's why we're so addicted to it and like why once we pick it up and you know do it you know it's hard for us to put it down because we're so used to this insane rush of you know dopamine and so it makes things like um you know working out or walking or studying or reading a book that much more difficult because you know we start to expect that high increase of dopamine and you know things like you know things that offer dopamine but don't offer us much dopamine become boring because our our bar for you know excitement and all of that is like really high um and for those i guess it's like kind of like you know being an addict in a sense you know um i'm sure most of you don't really know like uh the life of an addict um i mean i'm not an addict but i read up on a lot of stuff and i read up on experiences and firsthand experiences because you know when i'm interested about something I, you know, while I research it, I love to hear firsthand perspectives. And so I go on this website called Quora. Um, and so, um, and, you know, it basically talks about how, you know, that's how people get addicted to drugs and why when they're bored, they just want to do drugs because things like opioids and um, cocaine, they offer this insane immediate rush of dopamine, like the amount of dopamine is like super, super high. And so, you know, after doing drugs for so long, you know, that becomes the baseline for simple happiness, something as simple as walking and reading 
and studying or just sitting becomes insanely boring, you know, like insanely, not just a little boring, but insanely boring because um, your your bar for simple happiness um, is very high. So that's what social media is. And since... I am starting back school in the fall after taking a break for, (laughs) ooh, um, it's kind of, I think, I don't really know how to like describe the break. I don't know how long it's been. It's maybe like, it's between one to two years. It's kind of difficult. Maybe another, well, probably another episode I'll talk about my break from college and how it's been insanely awesome because I've gained so much insight on myself, the world, and all of that. And, you know, it's just shown me how day to day we're just constantly in this cycle um, and, you know, path that society, our parents laid out for us. And we don't really take time to figure out what the hell we want for ourselves. You know, we're taught by society and maybe our parents that you go to school for 12 years, you make straight A's or A's and B's, and then you get into a really good college. You get a full scholarship. And if you don't get a full scholarship, then yeah, you kind of failed, but whatever. Go on to college and you uh, graduate in four years and get a job, a well-paying job, and, you know, climb up the ranks in that job, and you'll be happy. You'll have kids, you'll be married first, um, you know, since we live in a Christian society, you know, <laughs> you know, marriage first, then have kids, <laughs> and, you know, the white picket fence, you know, especially in America, because I think that's just, like, America, you know, I actually have heard that, you know, I've heard other experiences in other countries and, you know, how the experience growing up is just like so different. But anyways, you know, we're taught all this stuff about what society um, or what, how we're supposed to, um, how we're supposed to go about life. And you know, taking this break from school has allowed me to figure out like what I really want and what I and who I really am, to be honest. And before that, I can't really say that I knew exactly who I was and what I wanted. Um, but I'm not going to say like, you know, um, you know, taking a break from school was like insanely easy. Like, oh, trust me, like, you know, the transition um, from being in school, you know, defining myself as a student, you know, and defining my worth by making straight A's um, and, you know, being the perfect student was, um, and then, you know, transitioning to, you know, just being myself and being without these masks that I use to um, basically, you know, be a, a safety blanket. And, you know, so yeah, um, I, this is just my experience. Um, so I'm not going to say, you know, I recommend 
do this, do that, and all of that. Um, but I, what I will say is it's been a very valuable experience. You know, I remember the first episode where I talked about <laughs> how, um, you know, I was, how like listening to music was this awesome experience because, you know, listening to the uh, the artist's lyrics word for word and listening to the music and how, you know, putting yourself in the artist's shoes was like, um, completely awesome. <laughs> what I didn't say is that, like, um, when I was <laughs> that, um, that experience was after being on shrooms. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, that was a very interesting experience. Like, oh my god, um, you know, being on shrooms for those who don't know, shrooms is a I don't really want to describe it as a drug. You know, I don't really know what the definition of a drug is, but it's this, um, they're mushrooms that grow from the ground. And when you take them, it's like this incredibly spiritual experience. Well, that was my experience. I heard for others, just like really trippy and all that. But for me, it was very spiritual. And um, it was like being in a deep meditative state where all of the noise that goes on in your mind and the anxiety and worry about the future and then thinking about the past and you know all of that was just silenced and I remember just staring out my window at the clouds and the trees and you know the sun was behind this cloud I was staring at and so there was this white highlight around the clouds and it was amazing that's kind of what inspired my logo you know the the white square with the blue square on the inside you know just that serene experience um and I was listening to music at the time like when I was on those streams looking out the window and uh two songs that I remember listening to were um Reptilia by The Strokes and Everlong by the Foo Foo Fighters. It was on this playlist that I haven't listened to for a long time. It's this playlist that's mainly full of classic rock songs um, from the past. And it's like with Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, um, Everlong. That's the only song from the Foo Fighters that I have on there. Um, Fleetwood Mac, David Bowie, The Beatles, and uh ooh, that song by Stevie Nicks, Edge of Seventeen. It's a really great song. Um, I love that song so much. It is such a great song. Oh my god, like the beginning, oh the riff. Woo! Anyways, but yes, um I have that that's a playlist and I had that song on um those songs on and just the playlist running. Oh, and I also had Frank Ocean's album blonde playing too oh that's a great album um but yes I remember just like hearing word for word the lyrics listening to the music and what the artist was feeling during that time and um you know not just listening to the 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 lyrics 
but you know the subtleties of the music you know like when the and the music music kind of slows down or the music gets high speed or like a certain instrument comes in or um you know a certain chord changes you know just that kind of thing and it was it was crazy you know it it made me appreciate music that much more and uh, i haven't i used to be like this music fanatic but I haven't listened to music, you know, deeply in about a year. It's crazy because I went through this like extreme depressive episode, like um, stage, and you know, I just hadn't been motivated to. Um, well, music just didn't give me the feeling that I had before when I listened to it, and I no longer felt like you know bobbing my head or dancing to it and you know dancing to you know Holland Oates what's that song uh I forgot but it's like one of their popular jumpy songs and uh you know and so I've just gotten back into that actually before this podcast I was listening to um ooh Kevin Abstract's album American Boyfriend completely I completely recommend that album for those who um kind of grew up the well I think it's mainly for I don't know I guess you know those who grew up the oddball but it basically is about his experience kind of growing up gay but not just gay but just like having insecurities bruh you know I grew up with hella insecurities especially in high school man in high school, like, especially, like, my first two years of high school, I was, man, I was lonely. I was insecure and all of that because at the time, I was just starting to accept my, well, not, I was I didn't accept it at the time, but I was just starting to realize that, yo, I have attraction, attractions for girls and, Um, I live in a Christian household and I'm supposed to be a Christian. I don't want to fall into the devil's trap and go to hell, (laughs) you know, because I was that was what I was taught by my mom and all of that. You know, that's a whole other story for, you know, being black and growing up in a Christian household is crazy. But yeah, man, I, I was insecure. I was I had crushes and all of that and (laughs) it was awkward because I didn't want to you know stare at (laughs) girls I had a crush on or even look at them for too long a time or smile or look into their eyes for a long time because I did want people to think I was gay um and uh you know and also just going to a new school where you knew nobody I remember like the first day I walked into school and like I went to this like extreme it was like a big school I wouldn't say it's like the biggest school ever but um it had about more than 2,000 kids and which was a which was different from my middle school my middle school wasn't small but I was in the Vanguard program for those who don't know it's kind of like a gifted and talented program program kind of 
Um, and it was like pretty close knit. You knew everybody. And, you know, I went to high school not knowing anybody. And I remember walking into the doors on the first day and seeing kids running around, happy, laughing, talking loud. You know, they were happy to see each other. And I'm like, where in the hell do I go? You know, it was before homeroom, which was the first period. And, you know, it was, I had immense anxiety because I didn't know where I fit in or where to go. And, you know, when I think about it, it's, you know, I, um, I, uh, oh yeah, like at lunch, you know, being at a new school where you didn't know anybody, oh my God, that is the absolute worst. I sat um, by myself for weeks because I didn't really have, I didn't have any friends and I was, you know, maybe I was shy, but you know, I was insecure. Maybe that shyness came from being insecure. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I sat by myself and, um, I remember sometimes it was a few times where I actually, um, Stood in, uh, stayed in the bathroom the whole lunch period because I didn't want people to see me alone at a lunch table and be even more embarrassed and feel like the oddball, you know, which is sad when I look back on it. Um, high school was just like this really terrible time in my life, to be honest. You know, I was awkward. I um, had some stuff going on in my home life. Um and I, you know, I wasn't really, com I wasn't comfortable at all in my sexuality. And, you know, there was a lot, there were a lot of people in school who I wish I had gotten closer with, but I didn't. Um, and, you know, it's crazy, like, looking back on stuff and being like, you know, what if we had been friends you know, what if I had, you know, sat at that lunch table with those, um, with my friends from debate club and, um, you know, be became close friends with them? Like, where would I be now? Um, because it's like, you know, you look back and you see a lot of kids or a lot of people. I guess we're not kids anymore, huh? Um, I'm 20 years old, but I, I don't know if I consider myself an adult. Maybe I am. I don't really know. But, um, you know, people have friends that they've known for a long time or friends they just met. And, you know, I see people making music or things like that. You know, I really wish I had some artist friends, you know, whether that was like being, you know, painters or making music or, um, being a digital design artist and stuff like that. Um, those are the people that I always felt that I related to most. And those are the people who inspire me to want to be creative as well. And, you know, ideally I would be roommates with them. But I don't really have those types of friends. Um, and so, you know, life is just this thing where, you know, I'm constantly 
trying to find myself and I can't really say, you know, like a lot of people say, you know, it gets better, you know, all of that. I'm not at that stage where I can say it gets better. All I can say is I'm like, if you're going through what I'm going through, then you're not alone. And that's all I can give you right now. Um, and so, yeah, like with this social media, I don't know. I guess I just went on this. I don't even know how I got to like talking about high school. But um, yeah, this social media detox has been cool. You know, it's it's, um, you know, I plan to read this history book that I heard was cool. And that was, um, you know, an actually good history book. Um, after I get done with this podcast and, you know, I, fa- I plan to finish Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin and I'll probably go look up some more classic, uh, novels on Google, like PDFs, so I don't have to buy them. I have a big stash of books at my apartment. Actually, I do have Animal Farm that I plan on reading. Um, but yeah, I would like to read more nonfiction right now um because i'd like to learn a lot more there's a lot of history that i wish i knew that i don't um and so yeah i look forward to that and um you know i'm just you know starting to i'm trying to become more comfortable with being bored and not you know always being in this state where you know i need to be doing something like on social media and stuff like that You know, it's like, you know, it's an insane amount of information that you're consuming just in one minute. You know, you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You know, I've only been on this detox for like, what, 17 hours? And I'm already seeing like, whoa, that's so much. I don't think I can do that right now. Like just scrolling and reading all these, all these people's insights and all the politics going on in the world because you know politics is is something you know especially in america like we're going through some tough times and it's definitely not easy growing up in these times as a young person i don't know if it was ever easy um especially like for black people you know um and so you know i um the first recording I went on to this whole spiel about, um, you know, classism and racism. You know, um, Kanye West, he is a great inspiration of mine. Um, You know, he's one of the most misunderstood artists of our generation. I truly feel that way. Um, The media takes his, what he says, out of context. Like, especially that slavery was a choice and like um he recently you know said that uh, you know i'll just go brief um he recently said that the whole maga uh maga hat thing was just to get black people out of jail and for those who don't know kim kardashian and kanye west have gotten you know a lot of people of color out of prison who received insane sentences for crimes like you know selling cocaine back in the day and um you know kanye west he actually donated uh, donated a lot to Hillary and he donated a um he donated two million dollars to George Floyd's um children for them to go to college and so yeah so back to classism and racism um so racism stems from classism 
um, because there was this, if you research Bacon's Rebellion, it talks about um, how, you know, poor white people and slaves during that time actually coalesced um, and, you know, tried to take on the wealthy and, you know, the 1%. And for those who don't know, during that time, slave owners were the 1%. Most white people did not own slaves. For those who did not own slaves, they were dirt poor. And, you know, so during that time, um, during the Bacon's Rebellion, both the poor white people and the slaves, they coalesced and tried to take on the 1%. And it was, um, I believe it was like, it was a really powerful, you know, revolution. And, you know, the 1%, they learned their lesson. They were like, we cannot let the poor white people and, you know, slaves coalesce because it'll destroy our whole um, system. Like we want to stay rich. And so they found a way to, you know, divide us, you know, even though white piece, a lot of white people remain poor, you know, we had segregation, which, you know, allowed white people to go to the cleaner water fountains, go to all white schools, and they could sit at the front of the bus and all of that. So it provided them this artificial sense of superiority, which divided, you know, the poor white people from black people, you know, even though, you know, there was, um, even though a black person may have been a lot more wealthy than, you know, this poor white person, at least the white person had, you know, this sense of support superiority, which was the color of their skin, which is crazy to think about. And so, you know, when you think about you know, the situations we have now, it's like, dude, the economic system we have now, it's insane. You know, you can go to college for four years, end up in six figure debt, tens of thousands uh, um, of debt. And, you know, we're, um, end up in, you know, there are even people who like end up in like more than a million dollars that, you know, a lot of people get, go bankrupt from, um, you know, just ending up in the hospital and being sick, um, having cancer and like fatal diseases like that. And so, um, you know, and, you know, what we don't talk about is this caste system that we have in America, you know, we have, um, We like, um, you know, we're taught that there is this American dream in America where, you know, if you're born dirt poor, then you can be like insanely rich. Um, And they bring up people like, you know, Oprah, Samuel L. Jackson and people like that. (laughs) But what they what people don't understand is those are anomalies. And most people who grow up in poverty stay in poverty for black people. Um, who grew up in poverty, they're extremely likely to end up in the prison system and end up in and out their whole lives. Because as you know, the prison system, it doesn't set you up for rehabilitation. It sets you up to end back in the prison system, you know, because you can't get a job and all of that. Um, and so, you know, classism is this thing that um, we don't talk about as much as racism. I would say classism is... M- I would say more brutal than racism, dude. Um, because it's one thing to be called the N-word and all of that. It's a whole other thing to um, not be, be able to feed your children, not being able to know whether you can pay the rent, not, um, not being able to have your basic needs met. You know, and this is something that not just black people go through. Like, you know, poverty isn't this thing that, you know, sees race and it's just like, you know, 
black people, you're poor, white people, you're all going to be rich. No, that is a is a fallacy. Anyone who tells you that, you know, white people aren't poor is lying to you. There are more white people on welfare than black people. And yes, um, it's dis- disproportionate and more black people um, per um, per capita are on, you know, welfare than white people. But still, what we don't talk about is, you know, this insane, um, you know, wealth gap. Like the wealth gap is getting extremely wider. You know, it's not, you know, closing in. It's continuing to get wider. You know, the top 1%, they own, um, I believe, more than 50% of the wealth. Um, and, uh, and so of the wealth in this country. So the 99% own like the bottom, the, you know, other 50, 51%. And, you know, and then like, of course, like the 1%, they're not insanely rich, which is also like a fallacy. Um, You know, the top 1%, to be in the top 1%, all you have to do is make $400,000 as a salary or have a net worth of a million dollars or more. Um, into, and so it's not the 1% that, um, that is like the oppressors in this country. It's like the 0.01%. And they're the ones who own, like, I think probably the 0.001%, you know, people like Bezos and Bill Gates and all those who own, like, you know, more than a hundred billion dollars. They are the people who are basically our oppressors, man. They, they, um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, the wealth system, that's a whole other, that's the whole economic system in America. That's a whole other topic that would take so long to go into. But yes, um, something that we do not talk about is the insane classes classism in america there's always been a classism system in america always the capitalist system capitalism system capitalist system has always been brutal um you know and so too often we think you know all white people back in the day they own slaves that is insanely false you know the one percent we see right now with or the one like the one percent back then they would be owning slaves Um, and so, you know, a lot of white people back then, they were dirt poor, you know, so this classes, classes system has always existed. And, you know, if we formed a coalition with, um, like during the Bacon's Rebellion, um, with poor middle-class white people, um, middle-class poor black people, we would literally, (laughs) we would run this country over. We would take over this country. Um, but you know, the media, you know, the people, the powers that be, you know, the top 0.01%, they don't want us to coalesce. Um, and so, yeah, I went on to this whole spiel, but yeah, um, to end off this podcast, I just want to say, I highly recommend going on a social media detox because, especially for artists, because if you're a creative, then you... Um, then you are able to be more creative because being an artist, 
says being able is being able to reflect on not just yourself but the world around you and how you interpret it and being able to reflect on things you may have done in the past or things you feel right now and you know the anxieties you feel about the future you know you're able to really be present and figure out how you feel and for even people who aren't artists you know it, it it's you're able to think more clearly like I felt like when I was on uh when I was on shrooms you know you're able to think more clearly and you make better more intuitive choices um when you don't have this constant rush of dopamine and so yeah that's the end of this podcast um I hope you guys have a great evening a great night a great morning Um, and this is me signing off.